Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Assistant Pastor Darrell Logan. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Father, we thank you for your Word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We pray that you stir our hearts for the things that are of you. Help us, Lord, to love you more, to love our neighbors more. We pray once again your blessings upon the uh, campus and everything that's going on here, that you oversee everything here. We thank you for those who are serving, those who give of their time and their resources even, Lord. We're just so blessed here. And I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people tonight. And I pray that you'll equip me to rightly divide your word of truth. I pray to be sensitive to your spirit. I pray to be filled afresh with your spirit. And I pray that when each and every one of us leave here tonight, we'll leave here better than when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So as we continue our study of 1 Samuel, we're going to learn some principles that's going to help us to reach our full potential in Christ. Uh, And so I just want to remind you that as we go through this book, that is the main theme that the Lord laid upon my heart as we go through each chapter and verse in 1 Samuel. Um, And it's about, again, reaching our full potential in Christ. And, And tonight is just another step in that process. And so if you will, I'm going to ask you to turn to 1 Samuel chapter 12. And we do have a title for the study as we normally do. And the title is, You Got What You Wanted, Now What? You Got What You Wanted, Now What? Now in verse 1 it says, Now Samuel said to all Israel, Indeed, I have heeded or listened to your voice and all that you said to me and have made a king over you. And now here is the king walking before you or leading you. And I am old and gray-headed, and look, my sons are with you. Remember, these sons were not walking according to Samuel's ways. He was walking according to the ways of the Lord, but his sons were not. And Samuel says in verse 2, as we continue, I have walked before you or have served as your leader from my childhood to this day. And he says in verse 3, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed, speaking of Saul the king. And he asks a few questions. He asks, first of all, whose ox have I taken or whose donkey have I taken or whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed or from whom, whose hand have I received any bribe with which to blind my eyes? You see, when you take bribes, it causes you or any person who takes a bribe to pervert or to corrupt justice. They're blinded by that bribe, that money or whatever they received. And he said, if pretty much if I've taken anything from anybody, if I cheated anybody, he said, I will restore it to you. And they being the people said, you have not cheated us or oppressed us, nor have you taken anything from any man's hand. Then Samuel said to them in verse 5, the Lord is witness against you and his anointed, again, speaking of the king, is witness this day. 
that you have not found anything in my hand? And they answered, he is witness. And so Samuel, this man of God, had been a leader of the Israelites since the days of his youth. Samuel served as judge. He served as priest and also prophet. And now at this time in our study, or in this book, I should say, he was handing over the political leadership. He was handing that over to Saul, the new king of Israel, the first king of the nation of Israel. And so politically, Samuel would take a back seat. However, he would continue to lead the nation spiritually because remember, he also served as priest and prophet. The scriptures tell us early on in this book that none of his words fell to the ground and none of his words fell to the ground or were ineffective or didn't come to pass because he received his word from the Lord. He was a true prophet of God and people from the north to the south of Israel understood that this man was really called by God. He was really a prophet In fact, in speaking of Israel, the people from the north and south, it says from Dan to Beersheba. And so that's what you'll see in the scriptures. But they knew his role. They knew that he was a spiritual leader and he'll continue to be that. And now during his time as leader, the people had a chance to observe Samuel's life. And as we see here in these first five verses, the people found no fault in Samuel. He was blameless. It doesn't mean that he was perfect and never sinned. It just means that he wasn't living in overt sin. So nothing people can point at and say that this man is clearly living in sin. That wasn't his manner of life. And just like how people had an opportunity to observe Samuel's life, people have a chance to observe us believers, whether we are in a leadership position or not. If we say that we put our faith in Christ, if we say that we are Christians, that we are believers, that we are citizens of heaven, believe me, there's people watching. There's a bullseye on your back. There's a target on your back. People are watching. And I'm just wondering tonight, what have people observed in our lives? What have other believers and even non-believers observed in our lives? You know, Jesus says that, that we should be light and salt. And in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, it says, To let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify or praise your Father in heaven. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, and then God gets the credit. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. And so are we letting our light shine? Is that how we live in our lives? And and it's not light that we produced on our own. But as people who put their faith in Christ and have the Holy Spirit indwelling us, we are a reflection of the light that God has put within us. And as we walk in obedience, obedience to the Lord, obedience to his word, then that light is shining. And so like Samuel, are we doing that today? In verse six, it says, then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord who raised up Moses and Aaron and who brought your fathers or ancestors up from the land of Egypt. 
Now, therefore, stand still that I may reason with you or plead with you before the Lord concerning all the righteous acts of the Lord, which he did to you and your fathers. It says in verse eight, when Jacob had gone into Egypt and your fathers, that is the descendants of Jacob or the descendants of Israel. So when they cried out to the Lord, then the Lord sent Moses and Aaron and Aaron is his brother, by the way. And they brought your fathers, they brought your ancestors, those Israelites, out of Egypt, out of slavery, and made them to dwell in this place. And when they forgot the Lord, their God, he sold them, God sold them into the hand of Sisera, commander of the army of Hazor. He sold them into the hand of the Philistines and into the hand of the king of Moab. And they fought against them. They fought against your Israelite ancestors. And so Sisera, by the way, was the conquering general under a king by the name of Jabin. And he was king of Hazor. And so God sold them into the hand of their enemies. And then in verse 10, they cried out to the Lord. And they said, we have sinned because we have forsaken the Lord. And we served or worshiped the Baals, which is the chief deity of ancient Canaan. And they also served or worshiped the Ashtoreths, the Canaanite goddesses. But then they will cry out, now deliver us from the hand of our enemies and we will serve or worship you. Speaking to the true and the living God. And the Lord sent Jerubael, which is another name for Gideon. He sent Bedan which is probably a reference to Barak. And and remember, Barak is the one who worked with Deborah. God also sent Jephthah and Samuel and, and delivered you out of the hand of your enemies on every side and you dwelt in safety. So after Samuel showed that he was blameless during his time as leader, now he is showing how good of a leader God has been to the Jews or to the Israelites throughout their history. See, God has done many righteous acts as Samuel will go ahead and point out. Remember, he raised up Aaron and Moses and he brought them out of slavery and he brought the Israelites to the land of Canaan, which is the promised land. And after God turned the Israelites over to their enemies because of their sins, God would even send judges or deliverers to rescue them after they would cry out to the Lord. And this just reminds us that we too need a reminder of the righteous acts of God. We need to be reminded of all the righteous things that God has done in and through us and for us. And we need those reminders because sometimes we get so distracted and we get so focused on other things. We even become so focused on our tough circumstances, our situations that that, that we forget about how good God has been to us. We forget about those righteous acts of God. Thus, this reminder comes from Samuel. Not only have I been blameless as a leader, but God has done many righteous things for you. And so what he's doing in these first 11 verses is 
is he's showing the Israelites that they had it good, that they had it made. They had it made in the shade when, because he was a leader of integrity and God had done many great things for them and even for their ancestors. And his point is that you really had no valid reason to demand a human king. There really was no reason for that. But yet and still, God gave you that human king in the person of Saul. And in verse 12 in 1 Samuel 12, it says, And and when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, came against you, you said to me, No, but a king shall reign over us when the Lord your God was your king. See, God, he gets overlooked by people so often. He, he got overlooked by the Israelites because they, again, they wanted a human king. They wanted a king like the other nations, to, a king that would go before them in battle and fight their battles and lead the charge, a, a king who would judge them, a human king. That's what they wanted. We want to be like everybody else, all the other nations. But they overlooked God because God was their king the, the whole time. Oh, and God is still being overlooked. Because there's some things that people are longing for, some, some things that people are looking for. They're, they're trying to find satisfaction in, in these various things. And they're going, they're going to these different sources. They're going to different books. They're, they're following different people. They... They're switching from one cult to the next. They're they're changing from one relationship to the next relationship. They're jumping from one website to the next because they're looking for something. They're longing for something. They understand that that there's something in their lives that they're missing. And so they're looking for truth. They're, They're looking for comfort, for example. They're looking for love. They don't understand that all these things are are under their noses the whole time, but they're overlooking God, the true source of truth, the true source of comfort, because the Bible says that he is the God of all comfort. Oh, he is the source of true love, and, and true love is not somebody patting you on your back and saying that you're okay living in your sins. Love is not refraining from confronting someone about sin. Love is not holding back the truth about sin, about what God says about certain lifestyles being sin. That's not love. The Bible says, speak the truth in love. Love and truth go together because God is truth and God is love. And you can never separate those things from God. Because if you can separate love and truth from inside of God, then that would mean that there is a change within God. And and that's impossible because the Bible teaches us that God is immutable. That, That means that God is unchangeable. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and it says, and forevermore. So our God that we serve does not change. And so love and truth, which God is the source of this They can't be separated in him. And so we shouldn't try to separate that. You see, but people are looking for these things, but they don't really have to look very far because they're found in God. But yet and still people overlook God. 
And like I said earlier, they, they look to other sources. And so the question I want to pose tonight is, what are you looking for that you think will make you whole? Or you feel that something is missing. You feel that you are a thousand-piece puzzle and that there's one piece missing. And I wondered if you ever considered that those things or that thing, that one piece of that puzzle in your life is found in God. I wonder if you considered that tonight, but sometimes we overlook that. In verse 13, it says, Now, therefore, here is the king whom you have chosen and whom you have desired and Take note, the Lord has set a king over you. That's what you wanted. That's what you got. If you fear the Lord and serve him and obey his voice and do not rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then both you and the king who reigns over you will continue following the Lord your God. However, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, but rebel against the commandment of the Lord, then the hand of the Lord will be against you as it was against your fathers or ancestors. Now, therefore, stand and see this great thing which the Lord will do before your eyes. And he asks a question in verse 17. He says, is today not the wheat harvest? And he says, I will call to the Lord and he will send thunder and rain that you may perceive and see that your wickedness is great, which you have done in the sight of the Lord. In asking a king for yourselves. And so Samuel called to the Lord in verse 18, and the Lord sent thunder and rain that day, he sent a thunderstorm, and all the people greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. And so if there was any doubt of whether God was displeased with the Israelites, wanted a king like the other nations, then all doubt was wiped away as we see in these verses. Because God has sent a thunderstorm in a season where there's normally not rain. So this wheat harvest, this season was normally the dry season. And according to one source, the rainy season in Israel was October through March. And the dry season was April through September. And so this type of storm was unseasonal. It was unseasonal during this time of year. And therefore, this thunderstorm would be no coincidence, and the people recognized that. And so they greatly feared the Lord and Samuel. Why Samuel? Because he's the one who had that connection, who prayed to the Lord that this thunderstorm would happen. And you see, this, this heavy rain was devastating. And it was devastating because it could destroy the wheat harvest and the other crops, the food source. So in other words, people could starve from this. And so people weren't begging for a thunderstorm, but, but God sent it so that they would see their wickedness, how great their wickedness was, their wickedness of asking for a human king to be in the place of God. Oh, but today we don't need, we don't need a thunderstorm to confirm what is right and wrong. We don't need any signs to confirm what is right and what is wrong. We don't need any signs to confirm anything that has to deal with morality. And that's because the Bible is clear regarding what does not please God. The Bible is clear about what is sin and what is righteousness, what is holy. And yet some people ignore it. 
Some people ignore it just so they can feel good. But they'll only get satisfaction in the Lord. They're they're only going to be all that God wants them to be if they're in Christ. A a person is never going to reach their full potential by doing things the way that they want to do it, by living the way that they want to live. That's why people, they go through all these changes, they, they, they live the lifestyle that they want, and they're still not happy. They, they still turn to drugs and alcohol. And sadly, some even commit suicide or at least attempt it because they're trying to reach their full potential as a person according to their own way, but Our full potential can only be found in Christ. But as it says in verse 15, the children of Israel could be disciplined or chastened if they did not follow the commandment of the Lord, if they rebelled against the commandment of the Lord. And this thunderstorm was proof of that, the power of God. It showed his power. And just as the children of Israel could be, and they was disciplined, if, if we, you know, remember all those stories in the Old Testament, but just how they were disciplined or chasing Christians can receive discipline for sins today. And so I want you to turn to If you have your Bibles open still, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. And we're going to see that even Christians today, believers today, could be disciplined by the Lord. So in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 11, it says, And you have forgotten the exhortation you've forgotten the encouraging words which speaks to you as to sons it says my son do not despise do not make light of the chastening or the discipline of the lord nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him in other words when you're corrected by him and it says for whom the lord loves he chastens he disciplines And he scourges every son whom he receives. So every son of God, every child of God gets spanked spanked if, if they step out of line. And it says in verse 7, if you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, if you are without discipline of which all have been become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. And so in other words, if we could live a sinful lifestyle and, and we're not getting spanked, we're not being corrected by God, even if we claim to be a child of God, we can claim to be a Christian and we're living a sinful lifestyle and, and there's no conviction of sin, there's no spanking coming from the Lord, there's no correction from the Lord, then I would tell that person to evaluate if they're really in the faith. Because if you endure chastening, back in verse 7, God deals with you as with sons. It's proof that you are a child of God. If you're trying to get away with sin and, and you're getting spanked for it. And that can come in many forms, by the way. 
But again, if you're without chastening, if you're without discipline from the Lord, then you are illegitimate. You're not a true believer, in other words. And furthermore, in verse 9, we have had human fathers who corrected us, who spanked us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection or submission to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, speaking of our human fathers, for a few days they chastened us, they disciplined us as seemed best to them, but God disciplines us for our profit that we may be partakers or share in his holiness. And that's awesome because you may have heard about the attributes of God, all of these attributes that God has. And these attributes are things that are true about God, things that God revealed about himself. For example, God is immutable. God is holy. God is omnipotent and he's omniscient. You see, those are attributes of God, but there are some attributes that God does not share with us. For example, omniscience or knowing all things, God does not share that attribute with us. Only God has that attribute. Only God can be everywhere at the same time. Only God could be omnipresent. So that is an attribute that God does not share with us. And so those are non-moral attributes. But then there are some moral attributes that God does share with us, with his people. And one of those attributes that God shares with us is holiness. And so God, as it says in verse 10, he chastens us uh, for our profit because he wants us to share in, and guess what, in his holiness in that particular attribute. And then in verse 11, he says, now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. And I could attest to that. I remember getting spanked and, and popped across the head because I threw rocks at a neighbor and hit somebody in the head with a rock. I remember that. Oh, yeah, Pastor Durrell wasn't no angel growing up. So I remember those, the, those, those spankings and things and, and, and those punishments or whatever I, I received from my earthly father. And, and none of it seemed joyful for the present, but yes, indeed, it was painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So when we're chastened by God, when the Israelites were chastened by God, when Christians are chastened by God, it is for our profit. It is for our good. He's trying to help us and he's trying to mold us into the image of Christ. And so don't despise it. Don't make light of the chastening we receive from the Lord. Hopefully you won't get chastened because you'll be obedient to the word of God. But I wanted to make that point that that this word about chastening back even in verse 15, it's not just for Israel, but it's for us, too, as true believers, as true children of God. And all the people in verse 19, we're back in 1 Samuel 12. And all the people uh, said to Samuel, pray for your servants to the Lord, your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins the evil of asking a king for ourselves. And so they wanted Samuel to pray for them. And guess what? They don't need, they're not the only people who need prayer. We need prayer as well. And many of us are not ashamed to ask for prayer. And that is a great thing. 
And notice that they didn't say, I need some positive vibes. I need some positive energy. Notice they didn't say, I need some good thoughts. Send my way. Send those good thoughts my way. They didn't send that, say that. They didn't say, please, Samuel, give me some good luck. No, they asked for prayer. And it's the same thing with us. We don't, we're not concerned with your positive thinking. We're not concerned with your positive thoughts. We're not concerned with you blowing positive vibes or positive energy or whatever our way. We don't care about luck. I don't believe there's a such thing as luck. I believe everything happens for a reason because we have a sovereign God who's in control of the universe. Oh no, we don't need those things. What we all need is prayer. And and we need prayer from someone who has a connection with God the Father. We need prayer from someone who has a relationship with Jesus because we don't need just anybody just throwing up any kind of worthless words. We don't need anybody praying to some idol God. We don't need anybody who's just praying to whomever. Some people think that themselves, they think of themselves as a God. No, we need somebody to pray for us who has a relationship with Jesus, who's going to take our prayer request to that throne of grace because the Bible says that there we will receive mercy, we'll obtain mercy, and we'll also receive grace to help us in time of need. And so you better be careful about who you ask for prayer. Better be somebody who has a relationship with Jesus. They understood that Samuel had a relationship with God. Well, they understood that from his youth. They see that in this situation. He prayed for that thunderstorm and it came. We're going to talk more about prayer. But are we that person like Samuel that people can come to for prayer? And they can count on us to do that, to pray for them. When verse 20, it says, then Samuel said to the people, do not fear. You have done all this wickedness, and so you guys are okay, right? I know I probably stepped on some toes with the positive thoughts and good luck and all that stuff, but, but I'm, we're teaching the truth. And so I'm making sure you're okay, that those toes are not crinkled and crumpled after that. But, but you have done all this wickedness, he says. You do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve or worship the Lord with all your heart. And in verse 21, it says, and do not turn aside. For then you will go after empty or worthless things. In other words, those worthless things are idols or false gods, which cannot profit or deliver, for they are nothing. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great namesake, because it has pleased the Lord to make you his people. And so God didn't make Israel his people because of something they've done. God didn't gain anything by making them his chosen nation. You can't add anything to God that will make him better. And it's the same thing for us by God's grace, by his unmerited favor, something we cannot earn that we don't deserve. By his grace, he has chosen us in Christ as believers, and he has made us his children. And of course, we have to participate in that uh, by using our free will to repent and put our faith in Christ. But, But God does his part in choosing those of us who are in Christ, and it's not because of how good we are. It's not uh, because of how good we look or because we dress well or how, how much money we make or, or don't make, but it's all because of his grace. And moreover, so I continue with Samuel's speech here in verse 23. He says, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way 
And so it would have been a sin for Samuel, as you see there in the scripture, uh, to stop praying for the children of Israel. And, and because God didn't give up on them, so why should Samuel, why should he give up on them, on the children of Israel, by not praying for them? That was his role. And God didn't stop loving his people, so why should Samuel stop loving God's people? And so he didn't want to sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for them. Because remember back in verse 19, they, they requested his prayer. And so he, here you see this answer here. I don't want to sin against God, so I'm not going to stop praying for you. You see, prayerlessness, we can learn something from here about prayerlessness. Not praying as believers is a sin against the Lord. Because first of all, you see a few scriptures in the Bible that, that tells us to pray. Pray without ceasing, for example. And it tells us to pray for all people. It tells us that in 1 Timothy 2.1. And so uh, we, we sin when there's prayerlessness because we go against God's commandment to pray. But also when we don't pray, and it's not an exhaustive list, but also when we don't pray, it'll hinder fellowship with God. Just like a lack of communication would um, hinder any relationship. And so if there's no communication in a marriage, for example, or between friends, it's going to hinder that relationship. And when we pray to God, we're communicating with him. And God gives us that privilege. And so, yes, it's going to hinder fellowship with him. But then when we have prayerlessness in our lives and we begin to depend on ourselves, that's the message that is sending, that, that I can do it all myself. I can take care of myself. And, and there's pride there. But when we pray to God, when we spend that time with him regularly, it shows that we depend on him and not ourselves. But the question must be asked tonight, why wouldn't we want to pray? Why wouldn't we want to pray? There's so many benefits to it. And again, this is not an exhaustive list, but it is through prayer that we get to communicate, as I mentioned earlier, with our creator, with our heavenly father. And it is through prayer that we demonstrate our love for other people. Because even Jesus said that, that we need to pray for those who use us. Pray for those who persecute us. And so prayer demonstrates our love for others. And it's also uh, through prayer that we could avoid falling into temptation. Pastor Darrell, where do you get that information? I get that information from the Garden of Gethsemane. When the disciples were sleeping instead of praying, he told them to pray, lest you fall into temptation, lest you enter into temptation. And so sometimes we fall into temptation because of prayerlessness. So, yes, saints, why wouldn't we pray? It is through prayer that we take our sufferings to the Lord. The, the scriptures in James chapter 5 says, is any of you, are any of you suffering? Then pray. So, yes, it is through prayer we take our sufferings to him and and, and prayer also serves as a door to experience peace, the peace of God. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says, be anxious for nothing. Or in other words, he says, don't be troubled with cares, but in everything by prayer and supplication, those are your specific requests, 
Also with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Go to him in prayer and notice this in verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, you won't even be able to understand the peace of God. It will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. It'll guard your hearts and minds from anxiousness, from, from being troubled with cares. And so that's why I made that point that prayer can serve as a door to experience, for us to experience the peace of God. And in verses 24 and 25, 1 Samuel 12, it says, Only fear the Lord and serve or worship him in truth with all your heart. For consider what great things he has done for you. But if you still do wickedly, Samuel tells them, you shall be swept away, both you and your king. Very somber words. And, and we see that actually taking place if you continue to read the Old Testament. That actually happened. But I just want to remind us all that the Israelites, at the end of the day, they got what they wanted. They got the human king that they wanted. So they can be like all the other nations. But even though they got what they wanted, it noticed that it it didn't stop there. That wasn't the end of it. Because they got the king they requested. And it was sin for them to request that king because it caused them to reject God. But God gave them that king anyway. Got what they wanted, but God has some instructions for them. And in these instructions that, we, that we've seen in this chapter, we, we can also see that these instructions are good for us as well. For those of us who prayed about things, for those of us who worked hard at things, and for even those of us who were in our flesh when we obtained something that we received, Or it could have been something good that we prayed to God about and we received it. So for those of us who've received what we wanted as well, these are good instructions. And so the first thing I wanted to point out, if you want to know, where do we go from here after we got what we've wanted? Well, the first thing we should point out is that we're to continue to fear the Lord. We're to fear the Lord. I like how one pastor puts it, because we know that this is a reverential awe, but the way this one pastor puts it, he said, it it means to take God seriously. And so, although we got what we wanted, we need to, number one, like, like Samuel told the Israelites, we need to fear the Lord. But number two, after we got what we wanted, we're to serve the Lord, which means to worship the Lord, guess what, in truth, with all our hearts, as it tells us in in verses 14, 20, and 24. Would it serve him? So just because we got what we wanted doesn't mean we stop worshiping him. But no, we are to worship him in truth. We are to worship him faithfully. And, And just because we got what we wanted doesn't mean we can just go off and do our own thing. But point number three says, and I got this from the text in verse 14, we to obey the Lord. 
So notice in verse 14 of 1 Samuel 12, it says, fear the Lord, serve him. And this current point, obey the Lord. Not to do our own thing just because we got what we wanted. We got what we prayed for. We got what we begged for. But also, in point number four, we are not to turn aside from following the Lord. Verses 20 through 21, we're not to turn aside from following him. You see, some of us have had personal experience where maybe you helped a friend or maybe you helped a family member. And after you helped them, you didn't see them for a while. They, they forgot all about you. And the next time they turn up, the next time they text you, the, the next time they call you. So it's about something that they want from you again. But then they forget about you again. And so many of you have experienced that. But God... Oh, he goes through that all the time. And I'm just wondering tonight, have we gotten what we wanted and forgotten about God? Oh, the Israelites got their king, but eventually they're going to forget about God. But what is it that we have received, but we have forgotten God? We've forgotten the source. We've forgotten the giver. We've forgotten the one who blesses. Uh-oh, maybe it's a relationship that you begged for, that you even forced to have, and God allowed you to have it. Or maybe it's a relationship. So once you got that, did you forget about God? Maybe it's a business that you prayed for. You worked so hard for it. You took one class after another. You took one exam after another, and you got that business, but you stopped coming to church. You, you stopped praying prayerlessness. Stop reading your Bibles or maybe there's a position you vied for, a position you begged for, a position you received finally after years and years and God blessed you with that but you forgot about him and opportunities and success came your way and maybe at one point you were sick and you were on your deathbed or it at least felt like you're on your deathbed but after a while you prayed to the Lord you you sent the prayer request to the prayer chains and the awesome saints of God they prayed for you and the Lord healed you and now the doctor has given you a clean bill of health and so you got what you wanted but did you forget about God you got what you wanted now what? Oh, we keep obeying. We, we keep fearing the Lord. We, we keep worshiping him. And the one thing I wanted to point out is that when we obey the Lord, it demonstrates our fear of the Lord, that we take him seriously. And also obedience is also a form of worship because anything we do to honor God is worship. And when we forget about God, And when we turn aside from following him, as it mentions in verse 21, what's going to happen is that we're going to discover that anything apart from God is empty. You see what that says in verse 21? It says, and do not turn aside for then you will go after empty things which cannot profit or deliver for they are nothing. I like what it says in in Jeremiah chapter 2 verse 13. I like how Jeremiah puts it. He says, for my people have committed two evils. Number one, they have forsaken me. 
And who is he? Who is God? He is the fountain of living waters. He's the fountain of, fountain of fresh waters. Oh, that water keeps flowing and flowing. It's, it's always new. It's always fresh. It is not stale. Oh, the Lord never runs out of resources. This type of God that we serve, but they committed two evils. Number one, they forsaken him, the fountain of living waters. And here's the second evil his people did. They, they hewn themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. You see, a cistern is a receptacle that holds water normally. Usually there were tanks that were cut out and they were shaped from porous limestone rock. Or perhaps they were pits that were artificially constructed with the sides and the bottom sealed with lime plaster. And most of these cisterns, they were sort of like a bottle shaped with one or more openings at the top. And it was a blessing. When we went to Israel, I think it was 2000 or 2017, we actually went to a cistern. It was dry, of course, so we didn't drown or anything, but... But so we've we seen it, it's roughly bottle shaped with one or more openings at the top. And, and, and they were able to collect rainwater in these cisterns. But the cisterns would hold water that wasn't living. In other words, it wasn't moving. So, yes, it could become stale, but God is not like a cistern. No, He's a fountain of living waters, life giving water. He, he never runs out of goodness. He never runs out of love. He never runs out of grace. He, he never runs out of mercy. All those things that people are looking for, God doesn't run out. He's a fountain of living waters. But, but the Israelites and people today, they turn from, him, from God and they cut out for themselves, shape for themselves cisterns. But notice these cisterns are cracked. They can't hold water. And that person who turns aside and, and they go after empty things, they, they have a broken cistern. Those idol gods, whatever we worship, those false kings in our lives that we try to find hope in, that we try to find joy in, those are nothing but broken cisterns But because they, they really can't give us what we need. They really can't give us the hope that we're seeking for, that we're looking for, that we want to experience. They, they can't give us the joy that we're looking for. It's only found in the fountain of living waters, not in this broken cisterns, these idol gods that we worship. But that's what happens when people forget about God and turn aside from following him. And unfortunately, many people do that after they get what they wanted as the worship team comes up. And I just want to leave you with two more points. Because we have good reasons to fear and serve the Lord and not turn aside to those empty things. We have good reason to fear him, to obey him, to worship him. And one of those reasons could be found in 22, verse 22. It's because the Lord will not forsake us. That's a good reason to me to fear and serve him. And there's many reasons, but I just wanted to use what's in this lesson, in this text. But also, another awesome reason to fear and serve the Lord and not turn aside 
to those empty things is because, as it says in verse 24, God has done great things. Now, I want to ask you tonight, do you realize the great things God has done for you? Have you considered all of the great things God has done for you? And not just for you, but in you and through you. Have you considered that? Have you considered the great things he's done for us in waking us up all of these mornings? Have you considered the great things he's done for us in healing us of our illnesses and healing us spiritually from that sin sickness? We were all on our way to hell, but Jesus came and died for us. So that's a great thing that we need to consider or that marriage that we thought was broken, that, that, that marriage we thought was irreparable, but he repaired it, he restored it, that relationship that was broken with our parents or, or maybe another family member that God has restored, that job you thought you lost, but God preserved it, those prayers that you've been praying year after year, but God has finally answered them. Have you considered the great things that God has done for us? Oh, yeah, this pandemic that's going on, been going on for a while, and they they just want to keep the fear going and all this stuff going, but yet and still God has been doing great things. There are some people, despite what the enemy will have you believe, there are some people who are drawing closer to God throughout this season. There are some people who have gotten saved in this season. There are more people that we are allowed to reach through live stream throughout this coronavirus season. Have we considered the great things? Father, we thank you so much for who you are and what you are to us. We thank you that you are not a broken cistern. Oh, you are a fountain of living waters. We, we receive that, Father. We praise you. Help us, Lord, to not forget about you when we get what we want. You are the source. If we have you, we have everything we need. We praise you, Lord. At this time, we're going to go into the communion part of our service. And we have more reasons to praise him. More reasons. But we're going to focus right now during the communion part of this service on the fact that Jesus died for us. Because when we partake of communion, we remember his death. We remember that blood that was shed. And that's what the juice represents. We remember that body that was beaten and broken for us. That's what the bread or the cracker represents. And communion, by the way, is only for believers. So I want to make sure we all understood that. And so communion is a time of remembrance, remembering his death. The scripture says that when we partake of it, of the cracker and of the juice, it says that we proclaim his death. In other words, we're preaching a sermon about his death. And we don't want to ever forget what he did for us. Yes, we know he was resurrected, but we're remembering the fact that he died in our place. Because we deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God. And so, Lord, we remember that. And also it's a time of examination, so we want to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal any sin in our lives that we haven't confessed and repented of. 
And God is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It tells us in 1 John uh, chapter 1, verse 9, oh, he's a faithful God. He's a forgiving God. Don't leave here with broken fellowship. I didn't say loss of salvation. True believer, we don't believe that a true believer loses salvation. But yes, there can be broken fellowship, just like there could be broken fellowship between a husband and wife. They're still married but they're just not on talking terms sometimes. And so if that fellowship is broken, this is an opportunity to allow the Holy Spirit to examine you and bring that to the surface so you can confess it and repent of it. And so please be in prayer tonight. And and we do have the elements at the back and at the front here. And as you feel moved, please grab the elements. They're stacked. If you're new or visiting, take them back to your seat and just between you and the Lord, pray or with you and your spouse, pray and then partake. And so I'll just leave you with one more prayer, and I'll take my seat for the night. Father, we thank you for Jesus and the blood that was shed and his body that was given for us. Thank you that you loved us so much that you gave your only begotten son. And so, Lord, we do ask for forgiveness tonight if there's sin in our lives. We ask you to bring that to the surface, Lord, and that we'll confess it to you and repent of it. And we just pray that you bless the elements, Lord, and that we'll leave this place, Lord, just on fire for you and more grateful for who you are and what you have done. Bless these, your people tonight. Bless them even on their way home, Father. Give them traveling grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thank you all for coming out tonight. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God use you. And we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church and how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.